The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash billrisser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's adworks.com slash billrisser. You know, stepping back sometimes, like you said, and, and, uh, and just really, you know, having that relationship and really concentrating on building those really strong relationships really does lead to future business opportunities as well. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 99, who'd ever thunk it, 99 uh, of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. It's we, we keep growing, and it's so much fun to do this, to find out where people come from and, and how they've got, you know, got to where they're at, and then what are they doing now? So for this episode, the set, for the second time, I'm going to talk to somebody who's on a different day. I'm, <laughs> I'm recording this on a Thursday uh, evening, but I'm going to be talking to our guest, Tara Christensen, Friday morning as she's down under um, Brisbane, Australia. Tara and I met for the first time online. It was at Tech with TLC. I met a lot of people on this podcast through Twitter, but uh, I'll never forget meeting her in person for the first time. Um, get, tell me if I'm wrong here, Tara, but it was NAR annual in Anaheim, California. I was on a panel with Jay. Does that sound familiar? Yep. Yep, that sounds familiar. My hair was a lot longer and redder. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's maybe that's why I was struggling with that visual. I'm like, no, she looks. I don't think she was blonde with short hair then. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> well, Tara, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Bill. I appreciate it. So, as I always do with the uh, real estate sessions, I like to find out where people come from, and and for you, I think there's a little bit of a you know I don't want to say military brat, but that's what I'm going to say. Uh, and so I'm going to assume you kind of moved around a little bit because that seems to be the status quo for children with a dad in the military. Absolutely. And it's funny, though, because we actually moved three times before my dad even got in the military. So I think it's just in my parents' blood to move. All right. <laughs> and um, and yep, my dad was in for 20 years. And so I moved quite a bit with him. And then when I you know, when I wasn't living with them anymore, I still kept moving. Yeah, it's in your blood, right? So totally. Is. Where were your high school years? Oh, um, my freshman year was in a place called Rome, New York, where Griffiths Air Force Base used to be. Um, it was a, a B-52 base, actually. And my 10 through 12 years were in um, Yorktown, Virginia. And I went to a small school there called Hampton Roads Academy, a private school there, because the public schools were actually all filled up with people who had relocated from Florida when the Air Force bases got hit by the hurricanes. Wow. So all the fighter pilots went to Langley, Virginia and took over the public schools. So I had to go to private school. So that's what I did. Okay. So I, that, I've got upstate New York and uh, I've got the East Coast. Somehow you end up at Valpo. <laughs> how, do, how, do get, how do we get to Indiana from there? 
So my parents, um, I, I moved to, after graduation from high school, I actually took a year off and I lived in England with my parents. And because we knew that my parents were going to be in England, um, I, I wasn't going to have a place that was close to anybody um, school-wise. And uh, my mom knew that if a teacher didn't realize that I wasn't in class, then I wasn't going to go to class. So she said, you need a smaller school to go to where people actually realize if you're in class or not. So we went all over the place. And when we went to Valparaiso, they had just built a new arts center. Um, it was some million dollars of arts. And I was really into piano and theater at the time. And so that's what really attracted me. And they had a great honors college. But the big thing for my parents was my grandparents lived part-time in St. Joe, Michigan, and part-time in uh, Tinley Park, Illinois. And so I would have a place to go uh, if anything came up, and I would have family nearby if anything happened. So that that's why Valbo. That mom and dad taking care of their daughter. That's awesome. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So you, uh, what, what was your major coming out of there, and what were you going to be? I was a political science and theater and television arts double major with English and humanities double minors. I wanted to be, I had no idea what I wanted to be. Um, most days I wanted to be a stage manager. That's what I really wanted to do and um, in theater. But I took the political science major because uh, I also was interested in law. So I figured if I couldn't be a stage manager, maybe I could be a lawyer of some sort. Um, I was good at arguing. Uh, <laughs> I liked making stuff up. So, <laughs> so I thought my, my thing. <laughs> so you do. You end up going to DePaul, which is in Chicago, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it was great. So, did you live downtown while you were going to school there? Because I think the campus is right, right in the. I right. did. It's in the loop. Um, it's in the South Loop. But I lived actually. I had the best place, and I still love this place. Um, it was on Chestnut Avenue, which is just down the street from the. Uh, the um, Hancock building. And so it's between the Hancock building and the lake. Okay. Um, and I found a place there, a one bedroom for like cheap as chips, as they say here. Like it was so inexpensive for what it should have been and for its location. And so I got to live down there for three or four years. And then I moved all over Chicago after that. <laughs> right. So you're still, we haven't got to where real estate's entering the picture. So how does how does that happen? So you have you got your JD uh, in what's yep. what was your specialty then there? My specialty was in um, intellectual property was copyright and trademark law with an emphasis on internet law. Awesome IP stuff, cool. That's great. So then, tell me how does that turn into real estate? Well, that turns into real estate when um, I didn't want to work for a big firm. I wanted to work for a boutique firm um, and I couldn't find any jobs in Chicago that did that. And I was waiting to hear back on my bar exam results. And I was working for the firm that I had been working for before I, well, like while I was in law school and stuff like that, which was actually a class action law firm. And it was miserable. It was like the 10th month of winter for Chicago. Um, 
I was boxing up all of this evidence in the one of the war rooms, um, you know, where they get all the boxes of evidence and you have to go through every single document, every single page of documents. It's miserable outside. And my mother calls me and she's all bright and happy. And she's in um, Virginia. She's in McLean, Virginia. Um, and she's like, oh, the weather here is wonderful. We're going to put the convertible top down soon. Real estate's going great. Um, wish you were here. And um, I said, well, how about I come visit you for spring break and I'll sit in on a few open houses. And she said, yep, that'd be great. You know, why don't you sit on a few open houses, see what you think. Um, And she really wanted me to move there anyway. I liked it in Virginia and I thought real estate could be something that I could do. I talked to my mom about it. She had been a real estate agent already for quite some time in that area. And, and she seemed to think I could do it. So I, packed up bags and moved to Virginia. (laughs) So did you start working with your mom then when you first entered the business? So you had someone to kind of show you the ropes? Yeah, I did. We started, I started with Weikert actually. um, And my mom was with Weikert when we first started in 2006. Um, And if you know what happened in uh, late 2006, early 2007, market goes kaboom uh, shortly thereafter. And, um, but she was great because she's she's just a natural at it. Like she, my mother was born for real estate. Like that's just she was born for many things, but real estate's definitely one of them. And so she was really great about that sort of stuff. The only thing is, it comes naturally to her, and it didn't come naturally to me. And that was that was hard for somebody like me who likes things to come naturally. <laughs> right. So does that mean that? I mean, you you quickly kind of moved into the the technology side of things in your real estate career, was that the way that you could help and kind of, you know, kind of keep things moving as, as you're working with your mom? Yeah. So she actually started to kind of, we, we helped open the Keller Williams office in McLean actually. And, um, and so when we were there, when we first started off, they didn't have anybody who really understood technology or social media or the online world. And I had been hanging out with cool people Um, like Heather Elias and people who really understood how important that's going to be for people. And so I was really into it already. And so I said, well, you know, I'll just, I'll learn about it and I'll teach you guys about it. So I became their uh, tech coordinator, but I was also a full-time agent. And so I was trying to balance being a full-time agent, but then holding these classes and working with their agent leadership council to, to make sure that, we had social media policies and make sure that people understood proper ways of using social media and they understood the whole space and how it could be used and those types of things. So, and then also just, we moved the whole office to being paperless um, while I was there as well. So it was helping people through that transition. Um, So it was just really kind of a, it was a really interesting time, but it was a really interesting balancing act of like, Oh, I'm in real estate, but I'm teaching all of this stuff. (laughs) <laughs> right. So did did there come a, a clear kind of a break point where you said, you know what, there's an opportunity here for me to, to really focus on the technology side, the social side, and that you kind of backed out of the selling side and, and really worked hard on that other stuff? Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and and you look at stuff and you go, wow, you know, that was actually 
that was really the perfect timing for everything. My, um, my marriage broke down in, um, between about 2011 and 2012. And right around 2000 and I think it was 2012, I needed to separate, um, physically separate from my then husband to, uh, for Virginia's divorce laws. And so I had to stay in the area, but move out of the area so that, you know, to prove physical distance and things like that. And right around that time, um, Redwood and I had talked a couple of times, uh, a couple of times about being an agent there, but then an opportunity came up. Heather was going to go, I think to NAR um, to work for them and they need somebody to work as the technology um, and training director there. And they wanted somebody who was full-time and who wasn't as focused on real estate. And I went, well, hello, perfect timing. Um, yeah. <laughs> because I didn't, didn't think I could keep up the real estate side of things emotionally, trying to balance everybody else's emotions and being the calm one in the room when everything's going to hell kind of around you right. is, isn't really a good place necessarily. So it was actually perfect timing. Um, it sounds horrible to say that, but it was actually the perfect timing for them to have that opportunity open up right when I basically needed it. So I stepped in in October, I think of 2012. And I've had quite a few people from C21 Redwood on the podcast, which says a lot about what Eddie and Nick and Sean have built there. Go ahead. I mean, I've asked Billy and I've asked Heather. Talk to me about what what the, some of the cool stuff they're doing. I think they've really figured out the perfect storm of having the right blend of people who are running the business, but then they really, really focused on the culture and bringing the right, the best people basically on for every job that's there. And then giving them the opportunity to take that and run with it in whatever direction it is. So they provide the guidance, but they still give you the freedom to really, you know, shine. And um, I think when people are given that opportunity in whatever area, whether they're a rock star agent or whether they're an, an exceptional, you know, leads manager or whether they're awesome at marketing or whatever it is. Um, when they're given that opportunity to prove themselves and they're given the freedom to do that, but then they're given all of this foundation to work with. It's amazing. And they've really figured that out. Um, the, you know, they're not afraid to pursue technology, new technology to try it, to see if it works. You know, if it doesn't work, we shrug, we, you know, we shrug our shoulders and we move on. And if it does work, then we figure out how can we make sure that everybody is using it in the company. And, um, and it's just, it's just such a good feeling. Like it really is a family. Um, I had never really truly experienced that before um, from all levels, you know, from top down and across all levels, it just feels like a family. It's just, it's, it's really, it's exceptional what they've built there. Yeah. That's, that's the highest praise I think you can give to an operation is that they, uh, Two, one, two things. One, that they they let you, they bring you on board and let you do what you do best, and but keep that family feel. That's that's a home run. That's great. You work with another company that I think is kind of cool. I'm, I'm actually a client from a long time ago. You, are you still doing some editing and writing and stuff for Happy Grasshopper? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. That's my uh, 
I, I have two kind of, well, it's funny because I actually work for a lot of different people, but my two big ones are Century 21 Redwood and Happy Grasshopper. So cool. I am editor and I do a bunch of writing for Happy Grasshopper. So talk about Dan and Celeste and what they built there. I mean, that's really, and he's right in my neighborhood. He's not too far away. I, we haven't run into each other yet. We will, but talk about what they're doing. Oh, you should stop in and say hi. I'm sure they'd love it. Um, they've built really, and that's a really another great team. They've figured out, you know, what people's skills are best. And they've said, you know, here's what agents don't or always do well. And here's what they kind of struggle with. And it's not just real estate. It's other small companies as well that are out there that they work with. And they said, how can we help you? How can we fix that for you? It's figuring out how do you um, stay in touch with people who aren't actively doing something, buying or selling or actively engaged in buying or selling. Um, and that's where we sometimes fall down is if somebody's not in our laps at the moment, we kind of go, oh, yeah, I should reach out to them. And then we forget about them, especially if the market's doing really well in real estate. And they said, you know what? We want to fill that void. We want to help you fill that void. We're going to help you stay in communication. We're going to help you stay in touch with those people so that you are always top of mind. And we won't do it in an intrusive way. We're going to do it in, in a way that really is helpful to those people. And, you know, they really do come from a position of serving and helping. And, and that shows in everything that they do. They've really built something really neat there. Yeah. You know, talking about that staying in touch. I'll share a real quick story from today. I had a realtor ask me, they said, well, Bill, you know, I know you're, my philosophy is we should be listening a whole lot more on social than talking. And so she said, but I lost a customer because some other realtor put up this post about this condo and they decided to go talk to her and they used her. And so shouldn't I be posting more? And my response was, I, I, don't, I, don't, mean to be, I don't mean to be harsh, but you know, you should have had such a relationship with a past client that there was no way they could have been stolen from you. Am I on the right track there? Absolutely. Right. You know, and 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 it's it's funny because we we say, oh well, you know, I sent them an email or I, I posted, uh, you know, I put a post on their wall, so that's staying in touch. And it's not; it's the engagement, like you said, it's and it's keeping that relationship built, and it's through a whole different mix of things. It's the face-to-face -face conversations and it's getting together every so often. It's listening to what they're actually saying and what they're actually looking for and then responding. And sometimes we forget to do that because, you know, we get, we get busy and we, um, other things come up sometimes. And so, you know, stepping back sometimes, like you said, and, and, uh, and just really, you know, having that relationship and really concentrating on building those really strong relationships really does lead to future business opportunities as well. So around this time, this whole time in 2012, I'm going to guess that I got kind of involved with them and maybe about the same time you did, right? And yeah. that, yeah. And so that really opens up a ton of doors and connections and networking like none other. And from there, it looks like you've really, you've, you've gone on to with the, with the, the tech with TLC.com and, you know, in 2012 ish or whenever that started, you started speaking probably in the Virginia area, then maybe a little more regionally. Now nationally, I mean, yeah. even internationally, because of some bloke you met, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, he definitely opened a few doors in, in different countries. So. That's yeah, awesome. 
why did I know he was hiding up there somewhere? Sure. So I'm, I'm calling Brisbane, <laughs> Australia. That's awesome. So talk about yeah. talk about the uh, that evolution for you. How much fun that's been. Even maybe some of the challenges of doing that sort of training and speaking on on such a big level. I had to learn about. Um, well, first of all, I had to learn that I can do that. Like that. That's actually inside my wheelhouse and. Everybody struggles, I think, with imposter syndrome and things like that. And that's something that really I've had to kind of work through as, you know, actually I do belong here and I do belong up here and I can speak about these things and I do actually know these things. Um, so that was a big, just a big thing on, on any scale for me to get over besides, you know, going from speaking regionally to speaking internationally. For me, speaking internationally, especially, it's learning a new language, um, even though they speak English, sort of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sort of. It's, it's their own version and making sure that I'm able to communicate the same things that I want to communicate, but just the way that they need to hear it, you know, and making sure that the message still comes through. Um, and so that's been a really interesting challenge, but I've really enjoyed it. I mean, people are nicer than nice and in Australia and New Zealand. And so I've really been lucky and really blessed to have been in front of those people and being given those opportunities because they're, they're just, they're just great. They're really great. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a bucket list item for, uh, for Cindy and I to get uh, down there sometime soon. And we will absolutely time it <laughs> when, for when the two of you are there. So that's great. Let me, let me ask you this. It's a, it's kind of a putting you on the spot a little bit, but trying to stay abreast of what's what's happening today and all the changes and all the stuff that's coming out you know whether it's uh, for the for a realtor or for a broker it's a lot of work it's what you do if i if i ask you this goofy question what's your current favorite piece of technology and why you know it can be software it can be hardware but i think that's something people would want to hear so you're going to laugh because um, for me personally, my favorite piece of technology is actually my Kindle. <laughs> That's great. Um, <laughs> because I'm an avid reader. And, and so for me to be able to carry that many books around with me um, constantly, and it goes everywhere with me, everywhere, is important for me. But I have a feeling that probably doesn't help your listeners very much in the real estate space. So uh, the, the way that I actually keep track of everything is through Feedly. Um, do you use Feedly? I do. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, and so I've set it up so that I can listen to technology and, you know, look at my uh, technology and social media content marketing, real estate. I can subscribe to all of those sorts of things and I can really pay attention to what's going on on a global scale in different areas. And it gives me a that big worldview as well as kind of that that focused view as well. And it's a really great snapshot and glimpse of what's going on. And so I think that's a really, that's been really helpful for me. I also subscribe just to a bunch of varied newsletters from different people across the industry. And that has really helped as well. Listening to people who are very um, focused and smart about a topic is so critical, right? <laughs> just find, finding those. Yes. Experts. Yeah. I love that. Let me, let me ask you this. I, I've been to plenty of presentations and th this, I love when this question comes up because it, it makes the presenter kind of, you know, really, sometimes you have a, an answer ready for this question, sometimes maybe not. But so an agent stands up and says, Tara, 
you know, what are the three things I have to have, you know, when it comes to technology? What are the, what are your top three? What would you tell an agent that you don't know much about? So it's going to be kind of a broad answer. So the, th- the three things, honestly, that I think anybody should have is a phone, a tablet, and a computer. Okay. I mean, those, those are the three things, like physically. Honestly, though, you should have a willingness to learn and a great attitude towards technology, keeping an open attitude. That's emotionally or, you know, uh, that, that's really what you should have within you because you could have every tech tool in the world, but if you don't have that open attitude, it doesn't matter, Right. What percentage of realtors do you think have that? I'll put you really on the spot. <laughs> oh, honestly, in the United States, I think it's higher um, than what we've encountered so far in Australia. New Zealand actually has a pretty good attitude towards things. Australia is getting there. Um, I, I think the United States, um, I'd probably say, I would say over 50%. I wouldn't say, you know, higher than 70%, but I'd say over 50%. And I just think that sometimes people uh, either get stuck in their ways. So they get trapped into what they were doing. And so then they kind of balk at anything new because they, they, they don't want it to change. Or they have a fear of something replacing, you know, who they are or what they've been doing. And I think that that's instead of kind of going, well, how do you know, does this affect me? Does this affect my business? Does this affect my clients? Is this something my clients are going to use? Is this something my clients are going to depend on? And then how do I adapt that into my own business? Because I think that's really important. And um, if you don't know everything that's out there, or at least you're not aware of everything that's out there, then how can you can have an informed discussion with your clients about it? And, you know, well, this does work, but, you know, really, I want you, you know, but it doesn't give you this information and this information, which is why I'm still going to be here to provide you with that information. And this doesn't provide you with this, or here are the statistics that say, you know, this kind of advertising or this kind of online advertising and marketing makes more sense than this kind of online advertising or marketing for your for your home. So this is why we're going to focus on that right now. Um, but I will be testing and measuring that and I will be changing that if we need to adapt. If you are able to have that ability to have that conversation and to to, you know, know how to use all of those tools that are there and the ones that are already at your disposal, you're unstoppable. I mean, you really are. I had you here the 30 minutes I asked. It's also early in the morning, your time. I want to, so let me ask my, my final question that I ask every guest. It's um, what piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started in the business? Listen to your mama more? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Maybe that was me. Um, <laughs> don't buy everything right away. And find a good group of people to follow that you can reach out to and use as kind of your mentor base. And it could be people from, you know, it doesn't have to be another real estate agent and it doesn't have to be somebody in your area. It could be somebody, you know, across the world um, if they're doing something that looks like something you wish you could be doing. It could be from a title company. It could be from anywhere. You know, if they're doing something great, whether online or offline, then reach out to them, ask them, how do you do that? You know, what what were your challenges? What would you suggest I start with? Where would you suggest that I start? And the people are out there and they really do want to help you. And if you don't take that step, 
you know, you're going to kind of try to reinvent a wheel and you don't need to. You absolutely don't need to. That stuff's already been there. We've already made all those mistakes. Learn from us. <laughs> yeah, it's. I've always been super impressed, really blown away by the amount of sharing that happens in the real estate space, in, in especially when we're supposed to be competitors. But but yes. it's, it's a wonderful community to get involved in. And that's a great, I love that answer. So Tara, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Email is the best because I don't know what country I'm in. So, right. um, or what time zone I'm in. So Tara at techwithtlc.com is the best way. Um, or you can just go to my website, uh, techwithtlc.com. And there's uh, usually some sort of form or box or something that people can fill in, I'm sure. <laughs> awesome. Tara, thank you so much for, for getting up early and taking the time to uh, to share your story. And I, I don't know what to say about Peter. I'll just let that go. But hi, Peter. I hope you're having a great morning as well. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity, Bill.